Amen. Yes, our big kids, our grade four, five, six, can be released to their program. Going to have an amazing time this morning. Let's pray together as we turn to God's word. Father God, we sing those words that you're all I want, that you're all I've ever needed. And it's so true, but God, it's not true every day in my life. So often I struggle and fall into my own selfishness and habits. But God, we declare it to be true. I declare it to be true this morning, and I want that. Draw us closer. Help us to understand that more clearly. Help us to see and know that you are everything we've ever needed. The only thing we've ever needed. Every other good thing flows from you, from connection and relationship to you, God. You are so gracious and merciful, God. And as we study your word this morning, we pray that you would reveal to us a little bit more clearly who you are. Help us to see you. Help us to follow you. Help us to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we begin this morning, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we're going to read the first 13 verses of this story, and we're going to walk through a couple of chapters this morning, but we're going to kind of start with this section here, and this is coming right after uh, Pastor Scott led us last week through uh, the feeding of the 5,000, and then Jesus walking, it was an amazing chapter, walking on water, and then Jesus talking about being the bread of life, and at the end of that passage, all of a sudden, these thousands of people that were around him, they all walk away. Jesus gives them this hard teaching. He reveals to them a little bit more clearly who he is and what he's doing, and they can't handle that. They don't know what to do with that. And so we come into chapter 7 today, and we're going to be looking at kind of the aftermath of that and Jesus moving in and continuing this teaching, continuing to show a little more clearly what he's trying to do, who he is, and how people are responding to that. John chapter 7 says this, after this, after again, all these people walked away, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee, go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, for you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he has said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Who is Jesus? Really? To you, who do you think he is? 
What does your life say he is? If people described you, would they mention him? Is he an obligation? Or a good luck charm? Or a nice idea? Or is he God? And what does that even mean? This morning we're continuing our study of the gospel. Walking through the book of John, exploring the life and teachings of Jesus. Trying to understand what the gospel truly is. What it means. What it's all about. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes, as Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. But what does that look like? Is that just fire insurance, a, a get-out-of-hell-free card, or is there more there? What is Jesus inviting us into? Our theme this whole year has been yesterday, today, and forever. And we've wanted to see and understand the faithfulness and consistency of God. His holiness and justice and righteousness and mercy and love from beginning to end. From eternity past and through the moment of creation, through the fall and his journey with us, through his people. To the coming of the Messiah and the work he has done to restore all things to himself here, now, today, and forever. God is the same. His heart is the same with Adam and Noah and Abraham and Moses and David, with Jesus and the disciples and the church. And in this room right now, his love is the same. His presence is here just as it was, just as we read about. His desire to connect with us is the same. To connect with you. To reveal himself to you. To transform you. To show you who he is and what you were always meant to be. Jesus is real. And he is here and he is working. And we need to understand him. To know him. To follow him and allow him to be who he is. So who is that? So we walk through the Gospel of John, the story of the life of Jesus recorded by this man, one of Jesus' followers. The picture he has painted of the things that Jesus said and did and the ways that people experienced him. And we've already seen some incredible things, miracles and teachings, the love and presence of God revealed in profound ways. The wedding at Cana, the official's son, the teaching to Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the feeding of the 5,000, and, and then those very thousands walking away because of the hard teachings that Jesus gives. When Jesus reveals to us who he is, we don't always know what to do with him. And neither did they. Jesus is... The most incredible and fascinating and overwhelming person that has ever existed. Everything he does is so counter and contrary to everything we are naturally drawn toward. 
He is submitted to His Father, living humility, and we are pure pride and arrogance. He is sacrifice, and we are selfishness. He is love and mercy and patience, and we are harsh and judgmental. He is good. And all our righteousness is like filthy rags. What are we supposed to do with Him? How can we understand? So this morning we come to John chapter 7 and 8 and Jesus is standing with these crowds and with the Jewish leaders and they're wrestling with that exact question and they go back and forth with him challenging him and questioning him how can you say these things where do you get the authority to do this who do you think you are and in the end Jesus reveals something about himself that finally divides them for good and leaves us with No options. Jesus either is who He says He is or there is nothing else for us. No hope, no life, no point. It's a huge couple of chapters. We're not going to have time to just read through all of this this morning. I'd encourage you to spend some time in these chapters this week, even reading all the way back up to this. And following the story and seeing how Jesus is unveiling and unraveling and and revealing who He is. Let Him reveal Himself to you again in a new and a deeper way because this is enormous what is happening in these chapters here. But again, it's another season of festivals. And again, there's all kinds of festivals throughout the Jewish calendar and the Jewish year commemorating all these different things. And just a little while ago, Jesus had come up to Jerusalem for the Passover festival, their biggest festival of the year. And he had caused quite a stir when he was there. That was when he was flipping over tables and all these things in the temple courtyard. And a little while later, a few weeks later, he came back again and he healed that man at the pool right outside the temple. And in that interaction with the leaders, he started this exact conversation that continues in these two chapters here today. Questions about his authority, why he felt he could do and say the things he did, and how many times does he have to answer these same questions, but they keep bringing it around, why he could challenge them, and all of this coming around over and over again. Now at first he wasn't going to go up to this festival, he knows the Jewish leaders are out to kill him. And his brothers are even kind of being a little bit snooty toward him. They don't believe him. They don't believe he is who he says he is. And so they tell him, you really should go around and show people who you are somewhere else, far away from us. They're tired of him. They're maybe even embarrassed. Their family name is is being humiliated by their show-off brother who's bringing all kinds of unwanted attention and conflict with the authorities. He's more trouble than he's worth. They're just trying to live over here. So they go off to the festival without him. 
And Jesus later comes up by himself and he sneaks into the city. And after the last couple of rounds that Jesus has gone with the rabbis and the Pharisees, they're on the lookout for him. They're pretty sure he's going to be here again and he's going to cause all kinds of trouble for them. They're listening to the crowds that are talking all around them and they're whispering quietly. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to get caught up in all this, but some are saying, we think he's a good man. And they've maybe even heard and maybe even seen some of the incredible stories and the things that he's done, miracles and teachings. And others are saying, no, no, he's leading people away from the truth. He's a deceiver. But it's all whispers and mumbling because they don't want to get caught up in the leader's anger. Well, halfway through the festival, Jesus does get up and he starts to teach. And immediately, once again, the people are amazed. They cannot believe the things that he is saying, the the teaching that he is giving. Where did he get this from? And Jesus says to them, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law, yet not one of you keeps the law? Why are you trying to kill me? Right there in front of everyone. He calls them out. And the Pharisees, they get all offended and defensive. What? Us? Who? What? No, who's trying to kill you? What are you talking about? That's crazy. No one's doing anything. What are you talking? It's not us. What? And Jesus continues on. But the people start to ask now. Wait a minute. Yeah. Isn't this the guy that they were trying to kill? Why aren't they stopping him? Maybe they do believe That he is the Messiah. No, no, no. We know where he's from. We're not supposed to know where the Messiah comes from. But he did all these amazing signs. Will someone do more signs than he has? And on and on and back and forth. Surely this man is the Messiah. He's from Galilee. What are you talking about? The Messiah is supposed to come from Galilee. And they want to arrest him. And somehow they can't. And it's all a huge mess. And the guards are watching. And they see all of this. And they go back to the rabbis. And the rabbis say, wait a minute, what are you doing here? Where's Jesus? You were supposed to arrest him. And the guards, I love it, they just say, no one ever spoke the way this man does. No one knows what to do with him. Who is this man? They're intrigued fascinated. They're confused. They're afraid. It's an incredible scene. It's chaos and confusion, but something amazing is going on. People are experiencing something when they're with Jesus, and they're not sure if they like it even. But they can't look away. And in the middle of all of this confusion, in the middle of all of this going on, In the middle of all of this tension, Jesus says something 
very special. Everything stops and he says to the crowd there, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees say, that's your opinion. The light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the very light of life. Why can't they see? What has blinded them so fully that even when the light is turned on, is is right in front of them, they can't see. Light brings life, warmth, revelation, clarity, truth. Light reveals, it uncovers, it exposes. It allows us to live, to move, to see. And that is good. But light can hurt a lot. When you turn a, a bright light on after being in a dark room for a long time, it, it burns, it hurts. We, we recoil and wince and we shrug and cover our faces and close our eyes really tight. And Jesus said it himself in John chapter 3, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. We we don't want to be exposed. We know what we've done. And even worse, we actually don't even know how far we've fallen. We don't understand what sin truly is. We think we've done some bad things, but we don't really know what we've lost. What holiness truly is. And when we bump up against it, when God pulls back the curtain just a little bit, we don't like it. When He shines a light on our sin, even just some of it, even just one thing, we don't like it. We get embarrassed, we get defensive, even angry. Think about when you were younger. How did we react when a friend or a sibling called us out or told on us for something we had done wrong? We were furious. How much more so when these rabbis come face to face with Jesus himself, the light of the world as he shines a spotlight on their greed and hypocrisy and sin. You don't even know who God is, Jesus says to them. And he's right. For all their righteousness, for all their nitpicking and trying to follow the law, he's right. But that light shining on their sin, it just burns them and he pushes them further and further. He keeps coming back at them. Trying to help them see. 
hoping that they will repent, that they will submit, that they will see and know that He is the light of life. And they get so angry that they finally say, aren't we right in saying, you're a, you're not, you're a Samaritan. And you're demon-possessed. I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my Father as you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died. And so did the prophets that you say, whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim is your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him. And I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus claimed to be God himself. There's nothing else to say about it. It is the most serious and significant thing that anyone has ever said. And the significance of it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the old Lord, liar, lunatic trilemma. Jesus said these words. And he either thought he was God and was not and was just crazy. Or he was a liar and surely the most dangerous person ever. Or he is God. It is a truly impossible thing to contemplate. A person claiming to be God. And for those of us who have grown up in the church, we can get very comfortable with this idea. We hear it all the time, most every week, especially in times like the Advent season or the Easter season coming up here. It's something we hear so much that it becomes normal. And to a certain extent, that's a wonderful and incredible thing because that's part of the incredible beauty of living in the light is that your eyes adjust. The light that burns so bright at first that causes us to wince and to hide becomes warm and comfortable and necessary. We need it. We enjoy it and it is good. But let us never get so comfortable as to lose sight of just how huge this statement is because they were going to kill him for it. And if he was lying, they should have. 
But when Jesus rose from the dead, he proved it to be true. This impossible thing, this insane statement, this unbelievable, incredible, unreasonable claim was true. Jesus really is God. And He is the light of the world. He really is the thing that lets us see everything else, including our sin. It is only through Him that anything makes sense. It is only through Him that we can understand what any of this is. Our life, love, relationships, marriage, work, purpose, existence is only found in Him. He is the light of life and He is the only way we can be free from darkness. And even more, to actually be a light to others. Because what light does, and especially this light, a light this powerful and pure, it reflects off of everything. The brighter and clearer the surface, the more it shines. Paul says in Ephesians 5, For you were once in darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. The gospel is letting the light of Jesus shine on you. Letting him free you. Bring you out of darkness. And then shining through you to everyone around you. To share that hope, that life, that light with people that can't see. Nathaniel saw it when Jesus called him. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Peter saw it when Jesus asked if his disciples would abandon him too when the crowds all walked away. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Samaritan woman saw it when Jesus shined a light directly on her sin and she ran to call others to come see it too. But the Pharisees did not. Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him on the spot. Jesus is the light. And as we walk with Him, He will continue to shine His light more and more, deeper into the parts of our lives that we want to hide, uncomfortable places, places we don't want anyone to know about, places we want to keep hidden because we even kind of like it. 
We hold on to those places that we shouldn't. We feel like we need them. But Jesus doesn't want us to walk in darkness. And if we follow him, we can't. He is the light and he wants us to be a light too. To let him shine through us. To help others to see. To share his light with them. It's a beautiful and a wonderful and amazing thing. An incredible gift to be able to share what he is doing. To enjoy life with him and share that with others. That is our purpose. That's our mission. That's the gospel. Life with him shared with one another. Our world is dark. It's filled with hurt and suffering. And we are called to be a light there. To expose hate with love. To fight fear with hope. To bring healing to the hurting and comfort to those who need it. So how is His light shining on you? What is it revealing? What does He want you to see? What does He want to show you to change? To free you from? What is he trying to heal in you? And then who in your life right now needs that light too? Who has God placed in your path that needs his love? How can you share his hope with them? The truth that God himself knows them and loves them, wants to forgive them and heal them and make them whole. Who needs to hear that Jesus is alive and that changes everything? Pray for them. Ask God for opportunities to share with them and for the courage to speak the words. To tell them the story of what Jesus did for you and what he wants to do for them. Jesus is the light of the world and the gospel is the truth, the reality, the promise that he came to help us see. Let's pray together. Father God, we bow before you this morning and we say thank you. We thank you that you are the light of the world, that you are hope, that you don't want us to walk in darkness. We don't have to live in fear and helplessness selfishness. You want us to experience relationship and love with you and with one another. You created us for relationship and community. You desire us to connect together as you created us to do. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, for his life and his death and his resurrection, his sacrifice for us and that he lights our way. Father, we pray for those places that he's going to shine a light on that we don't like. For the sin that he's going to reveal. And God, we just pray that you would forgive us. We ask your forgiveness. We submit again to you, God. We want you to burn those things out of our lives that we can be people of light. Sharing that light. 
thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.